Welcome to Talk is Cheap, ladies and gentlemen. We're Cheap is Talk and Talk is Cheap. I'm here with Lauren Hansen. How are you doing, Lauren? Doing great. We've had some great adventures this weekend, haven't we? Yes, we are in Sedona. It's uh, When you see this video, we won't be in Sedona anymore, unfortunately, but uh, it's very nice. What, what was your favorite thing on the trip here? I think uh, hiking yesterday so far. We have one more day of adventure today, don't we? We do. It's a, it's a little damp outside, but we might get out there and figure something out. So I wanted to make a video with you about the whole INFJ thing and, you know, talk about some differences and just, just have a conversation about it. So uh, we're both INFJ, which you want to tell everybody what that means? Um, it means we're introverted, intuitive, feeling judgers. There you go, folks. <laughs> So, supposedly the the rarest personality type of the 16 Myers-Briggs personality types. So it means we're uh, social pariahs and feel awkward all the time also. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I, I can relate to that. I think this kind of proved it on our trip here this weekend that there's some big differences between INFJ male and INFJ female. And from my perspective, the female is more wanting to talk get to know people connect. yeah connect and and foster relationships for sure right yeah and uh i'm more you know back i just want to you know listen and then maybe just kind of just keep my retain my energy mm -hmm. by myself but um so what did you you said you researched or looked at an article i should, I should probably bring up the article um but it just said that infj males are very emotional but they can come off as a strong silent type for not knowing like how to express that emotion um that they can tend to be i mean there were a lot of similarities with both females and and males but um i think i would have to bring it up that was like the main one that i remember so um they can be like obsessive about some things that they're really interested in and can kind of forget about relationships and connecting with others because they focus so intently on the things things that they're passionate about would you say that's true for you? i would say that sounds like me folks <laughs> <laughs> yeah because uh i don't focus too much on that connecting the thing with relationships is it's uh, a lot of work <laughs> so so uh i just do what i have control over and that's why I love to just focus on, okay, I got control over this, you know, the, the videos, the audio, I can do all this stuff with relationships. It takes a lot of work and it could be over in the blink of a second for no reason. I think, I mean, I don't know this for sure. So it'd be kind of nice to hear from some other INFJs, but it, it seems to me that INFJ females, what they're, what, I don't know, what we maybe tend to be passionate about is helping people and so that comes with relationship and we, we tend to obsess over that and caring for the people in our lives um, because we don't have a lot of people in our lives any any INFJ you know doesn't typically have a lot of people in their life so we value those relationships and that's how we want to express the feeling and then the judging by um, by taking care of the ones we love and the males it's not that they don't love or that they don't I mean obviously they have the feeling side so they feel intensely but the way that they express maybe more how they feel about 
the ones in their lives is by, I don't know, doing things for them or, you know, not necessarily talking about emotions, but doing more practical things. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. I think, I think just being a female, it might be easier to, because this is something else that the, that the article came up with is just that it's just so difficult in our society as a male to be expressive emotionally. And you guys were probably taught from an early age not to express it. And so it kind of becomes blocked and restricted. So you find other creative ways to express that. Whereas females, typically, we've been able to express it if we want to. Although in my case, I was not allowed to cry. <laughs> I had, you know, I had to cry alone. So, um, maybe I have read that, um, that sort of emotional trauma as a child, like being shut down emotionally is how we turn into INFJs. That it's like, as, as a result of having to navigate emotional trauma. And I didn't realize how, you know, since we started climbing up on these energy vortexes, how more you're in tune with your emotions. I mean, you didn't either. <laughs> but I didn't feel too much climbing up on these rocks. I mean, it did feel a little vibrations, but it, it was really affecting you. Yeah, I think um, I think that has more to do just with the, the healing of the divine feminine right now, especially in, in my life. Um, but I definitely think that all INFJs are highly sensitive people. I'd, like I can't say if any other point in my life or not. We like we'd have to come back and see if that happened again. You know what I mean? I think it was just um, the right time and the right place and the right people to anchor that that space for me to be able to purge. So for those of you who don't know what happened, <laughs> we got about halfway up Cathedral Rock and I just lost my SHIT and. Um, had a breakdown, you know, I didn't, and I didn't know why. So I think, I think that INFJ females can, I know what I tend to do is that, I mean, I have no problem telling people that I love them because I really love everyone. So that's not a problem, but expressing any other kind of emotion can be tricky for me. Like, I feel like it's going to come out wrong or sound stupid or something. So I always intellectualize my feelings first. Like, so once I understand them, then I can intelligently express. But it's very much an intellectual kind of emotion. It's not like very expressive, fiery, or I don't know. Does that make sense? It's kind of like a cool emotion rather than somebody who's very over the top and expressive with their emotions. Does that make sense? Sure, yeah. So on this trip... another thing we, all, we say. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> well, the thing with INFJs, and we were talking about this last night at dinner, uh, we always have a hard time expressing what we want to say. Like, it'll get com discombobulated up here, and then it doesn't come out the way it's supposed to, right. and it does confuse other people, because I see that all the time. Yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense up here, and then when you try to say it out loud, it's just, um, I think because we think, we think so abstractly, and that makes a lot of sense to us, but when it comes out of your mouth, it's supposed to be linear in a, in a way for other people to understand it, and we just don't think that way. We don't think linearly. We think abstractly that's why i can't tell a story from 
point A to point B, I'm constantly jumping around because that's just how my mind works. So I think we all have a case of ADD too. Yeah, and you can see that in my Sedona Day 2 video at the end of the, <laughs> the night there. I I was trying to explain the style. There we go again. Sky watching. And then it just kind of, it didn't kind of make sense. It kind of does. You get the point if you're tuned in, but it's, it's kind of weird. So, um, yeah, you were pretty overloaded this, uh, on this vacation here because you were kind of controlling all the plans and getting everybody together. And that would be pretty, uh, down wearing for me. Well, everybody had committed to not making any plans and, um, that's great to an extent, but the, I think the judging function took over for me and just, I just feel like somebody has to, uh, make some plans at some point or be the, be the leader. So I think that's interesting too, as introverts that we don't set out to be leaders, but just kind of default by default end up in leadership positions reluctant leaders I guess you could say not that I was leading anybody but just orchestrating plans and everything when nobody else really was because if nobody ever made a plan nothing would ever get done that's true yeah so something's got to be done right sitting around twiddling our thumbs you know no adventures would be happening here which which was happening because we were there was uh four introverts at our table and before the extrovert arrived we were pretty uh pretty quiet but i it, it wasn't uncomfortable quiet it was all right yeah you like the quiet you like it when nobody's talking well after a long day of <laughs> of emotional attachments it was yeah yeah but the connections we've made here at, are really really beautiful and intense so um and there's been a lot of open energy exchange and everything so i can see why that would overload you I've had some primer, I guess, by being in the hypnosis and all that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of used to engaging and then kind of knowing how to keep going after that. But um, it's been, it has been a little bit exhausting. How has it been? How much have you had to recharge and like go off on your own? I wanted to a lot. Let's put it that way. And last night was kind of the really the only time it happened where I could actually, I went out to the hot tub. They got an outdoor hot tub here. Got to relax a little bit, get my mind together. Got a, some solid sleep finally. This is what day or third night last night sleeping. So I definitely needed it. And uh, I think you slept quite a bit too, didn't you? I tried. Yeah, I've, I've been sleeping in chunks here, which is really weird because I'm a sleeper and I fall asleep right away and I sleep for a long time. Um, I think a lot of empaths are that way. We just need to recharge in that way. But um Throughout the conference, myself and the clients that came with me, we had to leave the group and the, you know go outside quite a bit actually, and just kind of disconnect from everybody else. So. Um, so that was because you're picking up on everyone's emotions in there, or? We were all pretty, pretty bogged down by the by the energy. Yeah, it didn't affect me too much that way, which is interesting. But I think that's probably got to do with the female and male yeah, version because um females and just carrying the divine feminine we have more of a receptive energy and you having the more divine masculine energy you're more um i don't know let's say deliberate or action oriented 
is the masculine energy. So with the divine feminine being receptive, I think that we naturally just take on more because we're more receptive to people's energy. Open, we're open to it. Right. So when I first took this test, I was like, God, I wish I could have been like a different, you know, more of extrovert and be able to talk to people easily. But when I look at it, there's pretty good reasons why, you know, this is a good personality because I can actually kind of like go in, think, and I don't have to be out there talking to people to get energy. Mm-hmm. I can be at home, right. get my work done, recharge, and I'm fine. And I, you know, still make a big impact on the world. Yeah, absolutely. I think introverts are really undervalued in our society. We, you know, always look to the extroverts and the big personalities. Um, but introverts have their, their role to play. And like I said, like, I don't know about you, but in every work position, we usually are the ones sort of organizing things behind the scenes and it ends up being that things just don't work without you, you know? So, I mean, I think that's very, that's very valuable. So it's not like introvert in a, in a meek or, um, mousy or like disempowered way. I think that an empowered INFJ is is very very powerful and and valued. Well said. So one of the other things that you know, if I'm at lunch at work or whatever, I will tend to want to eat in there by myself. And actually, being having being in there with other people makes me feel more lonely yeah. than by myself. Yeah, and um. They jo- I've been at my job for six and a half years and they joke that the, the reason I've been there for so long is because I mind my own business and sit there with my earbuds <laughs> and, you know, while all the drama is happening, I have no clue. I'm totally out of the loop. I just go and do my thing, do my job and get the hell out of there. I've never, I've weaseled my way out, out of every party, every organized <laughs> event in six and a half years. I've never been to one. So that's um, some clever maneuvering out of that I think all right so I I used to go to the company parties but I don't think I'm gonna go to any more because uh no now that I don't drink that was one thing I wanted to drink it would be all right but now I don't it's like well why am I here Mm -hmm. you know it's it's Mm -hmm. these people like not to diss them they're on their own journey but they like to talk about football and all other stuff it's like no I don't really like that stuff I'm yeah and they um yeah and they are on their own journey and those are things that they're passionate about but it can just really really I don't know why it would really drain us but I think it does really drain us to just even listen to conversations like that why do you think that is I think it's taking on that different energy like they're talking about stuff that I don't have a clear channel with Mm -hmm. if you will And that's making it like bringing in all this, like, if you will, trying to like clean out the tubes and see now I'm not wording it right, but it's something like that. I think that, um, as INFJs, we're always trying to understand and that's things that we don't understand. We can't get our head around why somebody would be so passionate about a game. Something that doesn't matter. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Yeah. So I think that's exhausting for us to try to understand why it would matter or like, the bachelor or something like that you know the reality tv show well that's the thing too my mom will sit and watch that reality tv and it's like you know it's fake and she's like yeah it's like and you're still watching it and it's like even like dr phil stuff a lot of that stuff is set up you know 
these people coming with these fake stories and just it's just to bring up the emotion and bring up ratings and of course they got to sell their drugs that they're sponsored by and i think it's also exhausting for us to listen to conversations that i mean i don't i don't think this is necessarily an infj thing but a consciousness thing that I think it's hard for us to listen to people talk about things that are divisive when we have like a oneness mindset. So any of those little things that in our society and our culture that set people apart from each other rather than um, contribute to society and help to build us in, in oneness. I know for me, that's, that's hard to listen to. It's hard to even be around that. So. so we were talking last night at dinner about the jobs for an INFJ and I for most the most part about it I can't any of those I don't really agree with that I would like doing I was like eh. but a lot of them you would yeah I already do some of them you know with hypnosis it's a little hypnosis is a little bit of a counselor and the librarian I've often thought I should just be a librarian because I spend a lot of time at the library um you know things like that so I think that has a lot to do probably with your Enneagram, if I'm saying it correctly. So I have a pretty typical Enneagram for an INFJ, the, you know, like the caretaker. So yours is, what was yours called? I don't remember, <laughs> but it was more, uh, well, you first thought I was a different personality type. What is it? INTJ, yeah, because you just seem um, more like the techie and the logical and, and at first right yeah and it, it does come out that way but i will still like if you have a group of people and they're all agreeing on something i'll have to end up usually agreeing with them just to go along to get along sometimes but now that i've spent time with you you definitely don't have that intj flavor they're more like robotic and cold yeah you're not like that at all yeah my cousin is intj and you can tell he is well if something's that way technically is like you know it's cut and dry it's that way where mm -hmm. i'm like well yeah. depending on circumstances or whatever yeah, an intj or an intp won't care about your feelings how they express something to you let's be like this is the facts and if you don't like it you know <laughs> too bad i think an infj tries to be INFJs are very direct, like especially with people that we love and care about. If, if you need to know the truth, we're going to tell you the truth. Like we're not going to sugarcoat it. But we do try to express it delicately to where it's not going to crush you and hurt your feelings because we're, we're always cognizant of how what we say and what we're doing is, is affecting somebody else, I think. No, I don't know about you, but for me, my whole life, I've been trying to connect with people and trying to be understood. And then I think eventually, I don't know, I think it was at about 12 or 13, I became really cynical about trying to be understood and just kind of gave up. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, because it was about 13 years old, we moved from Maryland to South Carolina and I, nothing had really terrible had happened to me. We all have challenges, but um, nothing really horrible. But I was so cynical about people, and I just I didn't care about making friends. I didn't want to make friends. To me, it just was going to be another way for my feelings to get hurt. I didn't trust anybody, nobody, nobody, not even my family. I didn't trust anybody at that point. So I think that's a disempowered INFJ. And then as we as we grow up, 
we learn how to like navigate our own emotional waters, but it can be very isolating and lonely to um, feel like you're never understood, like nobody gets you. And I think we experience a lot of rejection as INFJs. I mean, everybody does, but I feel like extroverts or other personality types bounce back from it better than we do. That's interesting you say that because when I think about, you know, conversations I have, you know, going back and reflecting on it, and it's like, maybe I should have said something different way. And then you're kind of like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. That was stupid. And that can tear you down emotionally. We really analyze what we said. I mean, I, I don't do it as much anymore. I catch myself doing it now, but especially when I was a kid or in a teenager, I would, even in my 20s, I would analyze for days a conversation like, like, how could I have expressed that better? Or I should have said this and not said that, you know, or that was so dumb what I said, you know, and I've screwed it up now, you know, this person's not, it's going to think I'm stupid and you know, that kind of thing. So I think that's a disempowered way to, to navigate it too. But, but in a way this actually kind of helps. Um, well, I do this all the time anyway, when I read comments on the videos, I do read your comments folks that I'll see what people are saying. And I'm still trying to do that pleasing thing where I'm trying to keep everybody happy. You know, last video I put out, some people said I used the soundboard too much that to took away from the show. So now I'm trying to like, oh, sh- sh- shit, you know, I should have did something different that way. And, you know, you kind of, I kind of feel bad about it, but. Because you were just being yourself. You were just having fun and being yourself. And then, you know, people have something to say about it. And you're like, damn, I can't even be myself. You know, I, I think we get that a lot. That happens a lot. Or like, I think we have really quirky senses of humor, too, that people don't get. We say things that aren't really funny sometimes. <laughs> I don't know that we think are it's funny, but other people don't. I don't know. So. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Some, and then it's like, what's funny? I don't, I don't. This probably doesn't have anything to do with the personality type, but sometimes I'll just say random things that I don't even think are funny, and people will break out laughing about it. Yeah, we do have a um, a tendency to just make random statements. I think and observations. Would you say you're very obs- uh, like observant of your environment? Oh yeah, definitely. And um, well, it I'm even more now because I am a concealed carry holder. So what I'll do in a restaurant is typically when I'm sitting down, I want to make sure I got a view of the whole restaurant. So if something happens, I know what to do. Where is the exits? Mm-hmm. You know, is there something I can hide behind? All that good stuff to try to get the environment in your mind, and they they do teach you that in the class. I think we're kind of trained from a a young age to, um, because we are highly sensitive people, I think we're, we just kind of train ourselves to be observant of the people around us and the situation around us. And, and that can be draining in itself. Oh yeah, definitely. That's why it's hard for us to just be in a crowded room. That's a lot to observe and, and to take on. So I think we, um, need a lot of alone time but it can be confusing to people who know us outside of our like direct personal lives a lot of times they'll be like you're not an introvert you know because we we've become so good at playing that part to fit into our roles you know but in reality um it's draining the hell out of us yeah it's hard to be around people sometimes it's hard to just be in public and one of my um, very good friends, as we've gotten to know each other more, 
understands that a lot more now. Like, um, if I've had a very full week and we have plans, like I might have to scoot those plans over because I just need, I can't go from day to day to day with people, 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 activity, activity, activity. Like I need plenty of recharge time and that's hard for, for some people to understand. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened this weekend. I didn't have that break. I was flying on the, the drive down here from Phoenix and then I was even all, a little all right during the um, conference because I was pretty excited for that. And then Sunday, I was like drained all day. And it's like, I need to recharge, get back my bearings here. Well, you sure did climb up that mountain pretty quick for being drained <laughs> yesterday. I tell you, once we got to the top, I could have took a nap though. <laughs> yeah, that was good energy though up there. So what do you think about the INFJ stare that people talk about? Resting bitch face? Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had this guy that I've been working with for a long time. Just a few days ago before the trip, he pulled me aside and he was like, the other day, you just looked like you really had a lot on your mind, like you're going through something. I was like, no, I'm just thinking <laughs> about a lot of things. Yeah. So um, I get that a lot. People will tell me, you know, I thought you were such a, you know, a B word when I first met you. You seemed so stuck up and everything when I first met you, but you're not that way at all. And I think it's definitely that way for INFJs across the board because we are just very reserved with our energy and um, we can come across as cold and uncaring at first until um, we want to engage, you know, so definitely resting. <laughs> right and uh it ain't so bad for me at work because i got a little uh workshop that i'm in the back there so i can just tuck myself away and it's fine yeah. and they come just come and get me if they need something but but yeah aside from uh trying to be alone at lunch well the INFJ stare we should probably do a little more research on that because i mean have you not seen any videos on that or anything yeah so, I don't know, would you say that people tell you that, would you feel like people are uncomfortable when you look directly into their eyes? Like, do they, like, avert their gaze? <laughs> well, sometimes, and I don't know if I want to get into this right now, but we were talking about, I was talking about um, not busting your nut <laughs> and saving your energy, sexual energy source. And I will notice that when I do that, I get more... Stay, uh, direct eye contact and they'll hold it mm -hmm. longer mm -hmm. so I don't know if you start to turn into a magnet or what's going on if you have you're harnessing more energy but if I am releasing you will see it'll feel more awkward if you're releasing it'll feel more awkward okay the stare and that brings up more anxiety yeah, yeah that's interesting because um, I have noticed the more empowered that I become, the more people will hold the gaze with me, you know, and smile where, you know, as that doesn't normally happen normally because I think INFJs, we, we, um, so what we do is we, when we're talking to someone, we look directly into their, or when we're, sorry, when they're speaking to us, we look directly into their eyes because we're receiving that information. We're not just listening to words. We're, we're feeling everything. We're feeling what's behind the words too. 
But when we're speaking to somebody, we have to look away, which is exactly what I'm doing right now, because we can't speak and receive the information at the same time. That's too much, you know, because um, if we're still receiving the information, we can't process what we're what we're going to say. And that comes off hard for a man because we're supposed to come off as confident, you know, direct, direct. contact the whole time. And like, yeah. some people come to me with problems. I'm always constantly like off to the side, you know, like, like it kind of looks like I don't know what I'm doing, but I am because I'm just kind of figuring it out up here. Yeah, we have to look away so that we can process all of that information to be able to say it out loud. And I, I've noticed that um, when somebody asks me a question, I have to like think about it for a minute. Normally, I don't have like a, a like an immediate response. Yeah. So, and um, people have been telling me I have a staring problem since I was a kid. I know. I mean, they do. They'd be like, "Do you have a staring problem?" But um, it just feels like you start making people uncomfortable, and it's like I gotta look away quick. And yeah, it makes people uncomfortable, but. When the windows are the eyes of the soul, or, you know, the the eyes are the windows of the soul. So I think that we're in hyper-observant mode a lot, and most people just don't know how to take that. And then half the time we look like we're in, in outer space, you know, we're somewhere else. And then the other half of the time we're, like, so deeply engaged that it freaks people out, <laughs> you know. Well, I'm constantly trying to plan ahead and figure stuff out okay you know stuff could look like this it could go this way you know and i'll actually have a vision of how i anticipated like you know an interview to go or you know what i'm you know just trying to plan out all the specifics and make it up here so i can see it here but then it doesn't go that way never goes that way Never goes the way you think. And then it can kind of just rip you apart when things don't go to plan. Like if I plan on interviewing somebody at a place and then it doesn't happen, I can feel torn apart. Like it didn't happen. It's like, oh crap, I just had that planned. I wanted that to get done. Yeah, I think that our um, that's the judging function. Like we get our heart set on something really hardcore pretty quickly and we can be really disappointed when it doesn't go that way. And I'm not really sure why. Maybe because plans for us are safety because we've kind of predicted it in our heads already. And so things that are unpredictable can feel unsafe, you know, or something like that. That's kind of a bummer in relationships too. That can make relationships hard because you can't predict people as much as we try to. Right, and they they say, what's the best relationship for an INFJ? Are you asking my opinion? Yeah. Um, well, my two closest friends are both sensors, actually, and I think that they keep me grounded. Um, but I think it would be really hard to, like, cohabitate with an extroverted sensor because we do need so much alone time. So those two people in my life that are both sent, they're both extroverted sensors and they really demand a lot of my time, which I try to give them, but it becomes a little overwhelming for me for like constant requests for my time because I'm perfectly happy not talking to them for a week. And that sounds horrible because I love them so much. You know, I really do. But, um, you know, just spending 
I'm happy with spending like four or five hours every week and a half and not really talking that much in between. And the extrovert sensors just want more than that from us, you know? Um, so I think for like cohabitating relationship, probably another intuitive introvert. I was going to say, I don't think it should be another INFJ though. No, probably not. Because we would just kind of sit by ourselves and somebody's got to take action. I've heard that before, but I think that there's still so many differences within a personality. I don't know about like a long-term um, cohabitating with two INFJs. I don't know. I've heard different things. I've heard that it would be like amazing, you know, two unicorns or whatever. And having that understanding, oh, this person really gets me because we're so similar, you know. Um, but then I've heard the opposite, that it would be horrible because I think the only way that it would be horrible because two personality types, no matter what they are, like my best friend is an ESTJ and that is not supposed to work with an INFJ at all. We get along great. So I think two personality types can make it work if they want it to make it work. Everybody says that, but um, I forget where I was going with that. Oh, I think <laughs> an empowered, I think two empowered and stable and like awake and conscious INFJs, if they wanted to make it work, could. Definitely not an, an empowered with an un, a disempowered INFJ or, or two disempowered INFJs because the disempowered INFJ is, is a mess. So they're just dysfunctional, but there are a lot of dysfunctional personality types. So two dysfunctional people shouldn't be in a relationship anyway. <laughs> two wrongs don't make a right. It's hard to say exactly what the ideal relationship should be because I I almost feel like you would need another introvert mm -hmm. because if you have an extrovert, they're going to be annoying the hell out of you. And then just, yeah, like I said, making, I mean, best friends is one thing, but in a cohabitating relationship, I think it's better to have another introvert because you can be doing your own separate things in the home or whatever, and it's fine. Yeah, you'll be fine with it, and there ain't going to be this bitching. Right, exactly. Just do your own thing, and just being around each other is enough without having to, like, constantly engaging or out doing things. What about um, being talked over all the time? Like, the INFJ fade. Like, people just don't notice us or hear us. Does that happen to you? It happened last night. <laughs> Did it win? A lot. At dinner? Yeah, you have to really pay attention to it. Because well, I'll be talking and then the extrovert will come and ram through. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, all right, no one was listening to that. <laughs> Forget that. I'm always listening to you. I think that, like, yeah, in a group it can be hard. And I used to wonder why that happened to me all the time. Even as a kid, it's like you're in a group, even a small group, three or four kids or whatever, and you say something or want to contribute, and it's like nobody even heard it. Or people just, I'm like constantly interrupted. Like people just do not give a crap what I'm saying. They're constantly interrupting me. And I'm like, it makes you feel like what you're saying has no value. But I almost kind of wonder, you know, now that I have more of an understanding of it, if it's because we're on a different frequency that they just don't register. Like they've literally not heard us. And um, my youngest son, 
he experiences this at school a lot and it's really um, upsetting to him because he'll come home and tell me like the other kids are not list they will not listen to me they don't care what I have to say they won't play with me they're not listening the teacher doesn't listen you know she doesn't call on me when I raise my hand that kind of thing and I, what's his personality you know not yet because he's only 10 so I mean I can theorize that he might be an INFJ um I was gonna say if if I knew what I was um I would just do what I'm doing, going off my on my own, try not to fit in. Who cares? Yeah, I've definitely encouraged him to just be himself and do the best he can with people, but that it, it doesn't, you know, if they don't want to listen to him, that it doesn't matter. And he's, he is, um, it hurts his feelings, but he's perfectly fine being by himself and playing by himself. And he always has, even since when he was a baby and he had two older siblings, he was always off doing his own thing, so... I'm glad you brought up the school part because this is what I wanted to talk about now that I remember it. I wish, I don't know when it, you're fully developed into your personality or when that happens, but I wish they would give that to you. Maybe like the start of high school or something. Give that personality test to you. Figure out what you are and then put you with other people like that because the way we learn is different than the way someone else is going to learn. So it's like school tries to make you into an extroverted person. And then when you're introverted, Oh, he doesn't talk much in class. Something must be wrong with him. Put him on drugs. No, that's just the way you learn and the way you register information. And you know, if the, if you were in a group like that, mm -hmm. I think you would just advance that much more rapidly. Yeah. That's a really good point because, um, I mean, I know I was diagnosed with ADD when I was like five, which those diagnoses don't matter at all. But um, the same thing happened with my my son when he was in this, you know, around the same age. They just wanted to medicate him right away because he had to constantly be be moving to be able to absorb the absorb the information. Um, he cannot sit there and just listen. He's got to be occupying his mind with something else. And so for me, it was doodling and, and things like that which studies have shown now that you do absorb information and process it more easily when you're doodling or like if you need to, if you feel like you need to be doing something else that you are still paying attention. So that would actually be really great to have kids grouped together who learn, who learn the same way. So we, cause we, they do give the, the personality tests in high school, but I think it's like when you're a senior and that's just to help you figure out what you want to do with your life. And I never got it. They never offered it in my school, which was interesting because, well, I guess I didn't like any of the jobs anyway. The only job that's on that list that I would really like and I had, did it was being a musician. And it's hard to make it in this world as a musician, folks. <laughs> that's, that wouldn't work, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, as far as grouping the same personality types together, I, th I actually think it would advance civilization that much farther because you would be with people who think like you and it's just going to make you, oh yeah, 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 and just rise up. Yeah, that's a good point. I've never thought about that before. But I do also think that... Um, but at this, real quick, but at the same time, we do got to kind of yeah, step up and get into society. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that we do need to challenge ourselves. I've noticed that as I've be like become more comfortable with myself that I do try to challenge myself to be more extroverted, not all the time, but in certain situations, just for the challenge 
to be more of a sensor and to be just like more in the moment and more present rather than being in my head so much, especially around other people, just trying to be more present with them. And, um, sometimes trying to be more logical than, <laughs> than feeling. Um, and I can be logical. I think all INFJs have a strong logical side. We just make decisions based on our feeling, but I try to, um, well, there is one, there's, I, I miss a lot of red flags or I overlook a lot of red flags in people because of the feeling, because I kind of feel their core energy, which to me is almost always good and, you know, source energy. And that makes me blind to people's red flags. So one thing that I've heard is that all, just like all INFJs are highly sensitive people, that all INFJs are demisexual, which means that you would not want to have sex with somebody unless there was like that secure, deep, spiritual feeling of like safety. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I think, I think probably all INFJs are demisexual. So when somebody tells me that they're INFJ, but that they have one night stands, I'm like, no, I would, an INFJ would never have a one night stand. They might have like a one off with somebody they're already friends with and like know that that person they can trust that person and feel safe with that person but they would never just willy-nilly have sex with somebody they don't know right and that's what a lot of you know uh my friends at work that i'm with are always talking about oh go do one night stand get up in there whatever but um i was like i can't do that i need that connection before i can even perform yeah, we have to feel completely safe. Like this person, there's no way you, in your mind, you just know this person is not going to turn on you. They're not just using for you for sex or something else. You would have to know that they would like still be solid afterwards. So yeah, all demisexuals, which can be uh, really strange to people, you know, when you tell people you can. And that's half of the reason I don't feel like I fit in too, you know? Yeah. Because. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, I think because of that, we probably have more enriched sexual lives because you can experiment more with somebody you really trust, you know? Um, whereas if you're somebody who's just like moving from partner to partner, you never really get that sort of deep experience sexually. I think that's my opinion. Um, but when you tell people you can count your sexual partners on less than one hand, people are <laughs> like, there's no way, you know? That ain't normal. Yeah, not normal. <laughs> or like for you as a man, like, no, I don't want to go to the strip club or whatever. You probably get pretty razzed by, by other guys. Actually, we just had my brother's bachelor party. I was like, I don't want to go in there. I'm going to do our thing during the day. I'm going to go back home because I just don't feel right in there. And it, they're just, you're just being used for money and I don't want to be there. Yeah, absolutely. So did you get like a lot of um, name calling or people accusing you of, your sexual orientation or anything like that when you were growing up? I've heard that's common for INFJ male. Yeah, I think there was a one or two times that that might have happened. That's a shame. I'm sorry. <laughs> you get, what are you, gay? It's like, no. <laughs> Just need that spiritual connection. I don't know. Um, what do you think it is about us that you that we need that in a relationship to feel safe? I think it's just about fulfillment. I want... I want the, uh, the the trust and I want somebody, I want to feel more unified. It's like feeling full where it's a meaningful connection rather than 
done you know that's why the whole the whole thing with straight sex doesn't even appeal to me because it gets done pretty quick just ram bam where i'd rather get into more maybe the tantra stuff and let it go for like an hour maybe two that would be some great connection yeah yeah i think that probably across the board that's what infjs would prefer and um i wonder if it has something to do with being highly sensitive people too like we really feel energy in a tactile way and we like to kind of pick it apart and understand it and you know like really feel it and um and uh, like i say like feel it taste it smell it we do that with energy we do that with things that we want to understand things that we're passionate about so like that's why we study so much things that we're interested in without people having to tell us you know we just kind of be absorbed by that so I think when it comes to relationships or people that you want to be with, like we do the same thing. We just really want, we, we know that without that trust and that solid soul heart connection that we would not be able to fully engage and understand and learn about that person that we're so interested in. And not only that, it's almost like, what's the point after that's done? It's like, it didn't really help you advance. And then when you, do the studies on uh, semen retention and keeping your sexual energy and how much that's actually more beneficial. That's why the Tantra is so empowering because it would make your whole body vibrate. Do you feel like um, you feel awkward in your body as an INFJ sometimes? Like sometimes you forget that you have a body even. Do you ever feel like that? Very rarely. There might be one or two times, but not... Sounds like it happens a lot to you. Yeah, I guess it does. But I've heard that from other female INFJs that we kind of forget that we're... Like when somebody pays us a compliment or, you know, there's like physical affection or something like that. We're like, oh, I'm I'm embodied. <laughs> I guess I would consider mine more uh, daydreaming. Or it's like I'll just sit and think like, what if I just float over there right now? I think we're almost never bored as INFJs too. At least that's what I tell my kids when they tell me they're bored. How can you be bored? You have so much up here to, I'm never bored because I can sit there and think about things all day. I always, I always used to say bored when I was younger too, but I think maybe the personality type doesn't get developed until later either. But all teenagers are bored. All kids and teenagers are bored, but you know, as you become an adult, more aware of yourself and know yourself more. And then once you find your passion and dig into it, then it's just, then there's not enough time. We also talk with our hands. <laughs> well, this is a host thing to try to, I could probably sit and not use my hand. I, I do talk with my hands a lot because I feel like it, um, I don't know if I feel like it helps me or helps the other person understand what I'm saying more. Probably neither. I like it because you get involved and it makes it more engaging and it, it makes it more interesting instead of monotone not doing anything when you're thinking about something as we were um saying about school trying to absorb the information but you have to be doing something else at the same time may, that might be it too the biggest thing with school uh it was uh i was when they're trying to teach you oh you get the, how to do math or whatever it's just like i'd rather be doing something else i'd just be thinking about going home and playing a video game because that's what I was obsessed with for a long time and I really think 
because school is so stretched out for such a long period of time that they, it would be more effective if they would condense it down, make it fun, make school fun again, and make it really enjoyable. Like, okay, this they like to do hands-on, you know, get outside more and do stuff like there because sitting in a classroom is boring. And sometimes the other thing too is as kids, you don't have the cognitive ability, I think, developed until a later age. Like some of the teachers were like, oh, he's not getting this math thing. And it's like, I wasn't ready to have that information. And one of the teachers even, I remember it was distinctively in seventh grade, seventh grade coming over and being like, you didn't get the answers right. And then I went back and looked at it and I didn't take it a step farther. So he was being a bad teacher for not seeing that I didn't go the extra step that I was supposed to do to get there. We really push kids too hard to learn a scripted, you know, a scripted curriculum when they're not ready yet. That, that again happened to my, to my youngest. He just was always, um, he was speech delayed and then reading delayed and of course, you know, when he got to a certain age, a certain grade, like a couple of years after he started school, then he became an avid reader. You know, we just, we push kids too much to learn certain things, but, um, I hate, be, hated being pushed. It's like, oh, you got to do it this way. You got to do this. It's like, no. <laughs> it was constant. You said, you mentioned the, day, the daydreaming and I was like constantly looking out the window in school. And they would always call on me. <laughs> I, I don't know. Sitting you, at school, you're like, don't call me, don't call me. Yeah. Then you manifested the call. Yeah. It's like, I have no idea what you were talking about, teacher. And they're like, I know. Like, <laughs> that's why I called on you. <laughs> Missed a whole lot in school by daydreaming. Watching the squirrels out the window and, and stuff. And I was pretty thankful to be in a, a, uh, in a middle school in that uh, pod where we did a lot of field trips. We went out on the river and canoed, and that was probably the funnest years of my life. Yeah, I remember in school, the best time I ever had in school was this um, three-day overnight at this um, nature preserve. So, like, we all, like, all the sixth graders had to go, and we stayed in, like, these cabins, and they taught us about like we went on nature walks and they taught us about the trees and the animals and night hikes to look for owls and stuff like that that's probably the most effective learning you had then the best time of my life (laughs) yeah and like when we would go out because we had um a really nice community park that um was actually pretty natural it wasn't like your run-of-the-mill community park with they, they tear everything down and then put up play equipment and stuff it was like a lot of untouched fields and um, pine forests and a lake and they would take us out there to kind of like wade around and look for tadpoles and stuff the yeah those those times that they got us outside are the best times in school I wish I could have gone to a school where we did that all the time yeah and you retain the information Thank you guys for joining us today. We're, this is awesome to do this in live, have you engaged. Yeah, we did go off topic here and there, but it, it is what it is. We kind of just, that's the way we think and that's how things go. So it was great to see you in person, Lauren, and meet you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss hanging out with you when we're not together anymore. All right. We don't know if we'll ever see each other in person again. It's pretty, pretty scary. Yes, we will. We'll manifest something else. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I got on a plane now, so I, I kind of got that on my system, so just keep uh manifesting conferences we have to go to (laughs) 
There you go. Yeah. All right, Lauren, give you a hug here. Oh, thanks, Dan. This was fun. <laughs> it's great to meet you. you too. See you later, guys.